Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. It's Friday. It's summertime. I think it's going to come out on Friday. I'm Dave DeFour, joined by Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow, as I always am, on Nerder. She wrote, this is a special summer mailbag edition uh, because, as Zach Harper so eloquently laid out on Buds the other day, nothing is happening. We're all stuck in mud. It's basically the Brad Stevens uh, Celtics offense in summer offseason content because Kevin Durant just will not get traded. Like, listen, man, I got, what, we're going to stir Brad up some controversy. Stevens and I don't want to talk about Jalen Brown. This is just chilling, and he's taking, you're getting, he's not even coaching anymore, and he's taking shots. Should he have maybe gone with the Doc Rivers fourth quarter offense? I mean, you, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Talk TBT, guys. This is your perfect time. Seth, hey, I had, is, I had, I had, I had the CEO of TBT on my podcast earlier this week. You should listen. It was great. Well, <laughs> I listen, uh, we're avoiding the Elam <laughs> ending here, yeah. right? Um, okay. Well, look, we got some questions, and um, some of them are good. Some of them. I mean, let's let's be honest. Some of them were not great, but we got a ton of questions, so let's jump right in. It is summer. It is supposed to be fun. And right off the bat, look, people really they love to ask us food questions for some reason. Um, so we got longtime listener uh, at Medicine Clam, Doctor Clam Medicine Mollusk uh, on Twitter, which well known guys. What is the most over the top food you've ever eaten? Like the most shamefully gluttonous culinary abominations that the Texas State Fair would have trouble allowing in. Have you guys ever done anything extreme, like uh, maybe a hot dog eating contest? I I, I have not. And I actually find the hot dog eating contest to be quite disgusting Uh, for for, for many reasons, but that's not the question. I'll say that I've done uh, my buddy who actually just recently went to his place, Go-Go Bird here. It's now in Culver City, but when he was starting out, like I would go, and this is during the pandemic, and we were fully vaxxed. He was doing a to-go thing, but I would get to go and sit in the restaurant, and he just gave me literally a bowl full of like fried chicken and all of the sides, and it was just me, and I'm pretty much cleaned it all out. Now, granted, I had to be rolled home and didn't eat for a week, um, but I think that's kind of the most gluttonous sort of uh, situation, but nothing sort of like fried butter or whatever you get at the – not a state fair guy, Dave. Yeah, I'm not either. You uh, know, I, uh, so I, I, I have one. Fair I have one. And I, I think you'll disapprove of this, Dave, on multiple levels. Uh, uh, no. At the Wisconsin State Fair, uh, one of the booths <laughs> had a uh, deep fried Wisconsin style old fashioned, which I know how you feel about Wisconsin style old fashions. And I know it's I, disgusting. What is it? Oh, how what, dare hold you? on. Hold on. 
Teach me. What's a Wisconsin <laughs> style old fashioned? We're talking about the old fashioned donut. No, like an old fashioned no, drink. Cocktail. The drink. Okay, so yeah, I'll yeah, take a food. Yeah. They yeah. deep fried a drink? Yeah. It's basically like this is disgusting. It's it, it, it's basically sort of like um like like a fried corvassier cake or something like that is the best way I can describe it. Whoever thought who thought that up? Who was like, oh, I gotta you know tell be you, really good right I got, now. I couldn't eat the whole thing because it was too much, but man, it was tasty <laughs> and had a nice little kick of alcohol too. Um, I, I'm not really into like food feats uh, of any sort, but I had a buddy. I lived in Ohio for for a year, and I had a buddy who wanted to go eat this gigantic sandwich for some reason, and you had to also eat the the side of fries, and it's like. You know, it's like the old ninety six different types. <laughs> yeah, something like that. bunch of bunch of different layers of meat, and you know, I I like to go along to get along. I'm a good sport. We're gonna have a good time. It was awful. I felt. I mean, I I maybe ate a quarter of it. He actually finished it. I don't know how. Um, I was. I, I felt sick. I had the meat sweats after only a quarter of this thing. I was out on meat for like a couple days. That was the closest I've come to to anything like that. Now, a follow up oh, question, oh, guys. Oh, oh, Again, everybody wants to talk on. food. One more. Oh wait, because you it have just a... reminded me of a story. Well, I have a basketball related one also after Mogos. So go well, I've got. Yeah, that's the next I, question. I, uh, uh, it reminded me of a trip to uh, Dubai with my father and like a couple of people, and we went to a place that was like a, a lamb chop place, and it was basically you ordered by the kilo, and like between like, like you do. five of us. I think we crushed about a kilo each. And the next day we flew to Turkey and my dad was like, do you want to eat dinner? I looked at him going like, I don't think I ever want to eat again. Like I had to go <laughs> run on a treadmill just to make sure stuff moved. It was so weird. And, and so over stuff. So when you're talking about meat sweats, Dave, I have full on like, let me, don't get me wrong. It was amazing. But again, massively gluttonous. And, uh, you know, no way I could do that now anymore. Uh, yeah, those competitive eaters are are well-conditioned athletes. You know what I mean? They, they are eating pounds convinced. and pounds of lettuce. I'm not convinced. <laughs> to, to get themselves in condition. All right, the follow-up question, and this is from Garrett Nordyke, a uh, friend of the show. What up, Garrett? Best and worst NBA cities in terms of food. And, I mean, look, man. Most cities now are, are pretty good. Just about every city you're going to find, every big city, you're going to find some pretty good food. Now, if we're thinking a, a city that has its own unique style of food, I mean, look, New Orleans, man. Like, New Orleans has a basketball team. It's probably got the best food in the country. It, it's up there in the world. I, I don't think this is even controversial. Oh, uh, not at all. New Orleans is is up to... I'll tell you this, the the places that are sneaky, and then I'll tell you my least favorite. But that was also because the last time I was there was 2014, so maybe it's changed since then. So um, the the most sneaky one, though, is I think Memphis is phenomenal. You know, I, I think oh, yeah. you know you got a lot of great yeah. places there, everywhere from. I mean, none of it's healthy. You're leaving with clogged arteries. Gus's fried chicken. You're getting. You know, you can get the oysters. You got catfish. You got. Um, I don't enjoy the swine like the rest of you infidels, but, uh, the, uh, rendezvous, uh, barbecue, um, basically everybody raves about that on, on road trips and things like that. Like I basically got like the Turkey and that sucks. Um, cause Turkey in general sucks, but in general, like you get, a, there's just so many different great 
places to eat. Memphis is high up on the list, and I'm not including the the major cities: New York, Chicago, yeah, New LA York, doesn't count. LA, Miami, you know, like they don't count to me because they all have phenomenal food places. I mean, what's the worst? The worst for me was Oklahoma City. Um, you know, and at the time I it was listen, it was 2013, 2014. It was like, look, they had Mantles was like the great place to go to. You would bump into everybody there because it was either that or like the old spaghetti factory or whatever. Like it was like there wasn't there just wasn't a lot going on in 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 uh Bricktown around that time. And you know, maybe Bricktown pizza is pretty good though. It's fine, but it's like but like let's just be honest, Dave. Like is this something where you're like, oh, crap, I have to ask? No, you do it because it's a lack of options no. of what's there. Now, maybe that's changed, you know, and I don't need the Oklahoma City Army to come storming down with all your Yeah, because they're, they're already, you're already so much their favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm already, I'm actually in on the Thunder <laughs> this year. I'm kind of excited for the Thunder that's this true. year. But yeah. the more important thing is just like, I just. Hoku's jump shot revival, they're Chip England. Chip England, that's why, man, they got my guy too. Yeah. Um, but I think the ultimate thing is just, it was eight years ago. So may, I hope for you, the people of Oklahoma City, <laughs> it has changed and has improved that you actually have good, more good places to eat. Yeah, I, I know. I think Kevin Durant's restaurant closed, so I don't, I don't know if it was good or not. It wasn't but, doing uh, any business at least when he one left. fewer <laughs> option. Yeah. OK, uh, let's get to a basketball question. Uh, this is from uh, Josiah Mepelnik. I, I don't get to stand for Milwaukee's cuisine here. No, you don't. You're Homer. Okay. I mean, Milwaukee does have great food. I, I was very impressed. Uh, uh, okay, here's a question about team building. How do you guys order these traits when you're looking at, you know, building a, a roster? Shooting, coverage, versatility, which I, I, I assume means like filling gaps, wing defense, and vibes. Now, I mean, I think shooting is very important, but vibes matter. If you, if you can hit every shot, um, but nobody else can because your vibes are awful. I don't know. Do, do you guys do you guys place an order of importance? Shooting, defensive versatility, wing defense in general, and, and vibes. Um, this is one of those questions where it's looking for the one neat trick to build a great team, and it doesn't really work that way. Like it depends. It almost depends on the spot on the roster. Like you like I don't I don't really care if my fifteenth man can make a jump shot or cover the floor, but his vibes have got to be immaculate. You know, so I think it, I think Theo Pinson, Theo Pinson, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's there. You know, there are guys we can think of around the league. I think like DeAndre Jordan is probably that's a role he's probably going to fill somewhat in Denver this year. Um, like uh, well-known kind of good vibes guy. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we had problems in the Clipper days. <laughs> vibes you? weren't necessarily great. Uh, well, they, no, teammates teammates tend to like teammates, him, though. Teammates even if love him now. Yeah, that's like, that. Back yeah. in the day, we had issues. I mean, it wasn't – it was interesting that stuff. But, like, here's the thing, and this is what makes the question so hard, and you touched on it, Seth. Man, it's every trade's different in the moment and what you're trading for and what you're looking for. When you're saying – talking about in team building and what you're looking for in a trade hey, – all three. I want all three in the trade, right? Like it's just sort of, it's not an easy answer. It all depends on the team. And, and as Seth was saying, what we're replacing and what we're trying to, to do as a team and the where this guy's going to fit on the, the rotation and roster. Uh, here's what I thought was a good follow-up question uh, from someone else, from Adam Polio. Is John Collins and, and players like John Collins who have lots of skills and then fit, potentially fit, 
in a lot of different ecosystems, but don't have a clear archetype, are they harder to value for you guys? Is that part of what we see with John Collins, where it seems like Atlanta doesn't want him, but nobody else does. But then we all say, but he's good and it doesn't make any sense. Is it because he's so hard to fit into a box, you think, or, or because the weaknesses are glaring? So I think it's somewhat positional and the style of play. I think it's very, and this kind of got back to why I was skeptical of, of Bankero as a first pick this year, is like there's these kind these sort of archetypes of players who are too good to be paid appropriately for the role they would have to play on a great team, if that makes sense. Like, can John Collins be a starting five or starting four without like, you know, perfect construction around him for a contending level team? You you know, uh, offensively as a four, you got questions about ball handling, uh, spacing the floor defensively as a five defensively as a four. Like, so, but at the same time, he's good. So he's going to get like, he, I don't think he's, he's, I don't think he's overpaid, but how do you fit that in? In like to, in the modern NBA to a winning archetype, um, so and you look at other positions. I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, like injuries aside, like Malcolm Brogdon is a player who ha- has that kind of versatility and kind of pops in anywhere. Um, now, issues with him are obviously can he stay on the floor? Um, but I think it's it's that like kind of that swing forward four five questionable defensively in either role spot. That's that's most difficult right now. It, it, I mean, the skill the skill is valued, right, Mo? Yeah, I mean, the skill is valued, but it's it, it, again, it always comes down to the contract and what you're paying for, right? And this is sort of the 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 situation. And Seth nailed it, man. Like, look, I mean, he signed a five year, hundred twenty five million dollar deal, and teams don't view him as a guy that they want to put twenty three million next year, twenty three point five next year. The year after that, 25.3, 26.5, he has a player option for, for 26.5. Now, he'll be 28, might, it might be a really good player at that point. But that's a lot to pay for a guy that, like, what is he? Like, you're, you're playing, like, the Bobby Portis role? Like, is he your big man off the bench? Is he good enough? Is he your start on a, on a championship squad? Or is he good enough to be a starter on your squad and you're going to be a championship team? Like, when there's question marks like that, it's hard for a team to make that trade. So... A team that's going to make a move like that has to know exactly what he is, where he fits. It kind of goes to the question of the what do you look for in a trade, you know? A team that's going to trade for him has the specific role in mind for how they want him to play and are willing to pay him that money. And I think that's that's the issue right now, and and that's the challenge that they have. And it's, it's funny because he's kind of going to be the Miles Turner, you know, of like always going to be on the trading block, always going to be rumors. He might not get traded for a while. And I think I think there's a long history of this kind of guy who's like, yeah, he's going to put up some numbers, going to win you some games in the regular season, then you get to the playoffs. It's like you know, you go slightly different skill set, but Carlos Boozer was was kind of a similar thing. Like there's a like you know, Carl Landry could have a role on a very good team. Carlos Boozer is too good to be in the Carl. In, it was too good to be in the Carl Landry slot on a team. And like you, you mentioned, like John Collins is better than Bobby Portis, like by a, by a lot. substantial yeah, amount. Yeah, by a lot. I'm not trying to compare yeah. the two talent wise. Yeah. But because he's because he's better enough, then that kind of takes him out of like any of these these roles that actually fit the way teams are constructed. And teams are wondering, will he come in and take that role? Right? Like, hey, if we get him we'll and we'll be a championship team if he plays this role, but is he willing to play that role? 
you know, I think that kind of goes back to like way back in the day, Eric Bledsoe wanted to be a starting point guard. And he was perfect for us with the Clippers as a six man coming off the bench, changed the complete tempo of games, you know, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Sometimes it was complete chaos when he came in the games, but he changed the tempo of the games, but he wanted to be a starting point guard. We had Chris Paul. He wasn't going to be a starting point guard for us. So he was looking for a new place to play. And I think, you know, since then it's, it's, it's never really worked out for him in the sense of, I mean, financially for sure, but he's never been that guy that he thought he was going to be. But it's question is like, Will John Collins take that role? And I don't fault the guy for thinking like, yo, I want to be a star player. I want to be that guy. I think that Bledsoe sort of not even a comp, but it is sort of a comp. That combo guard, and you could even argue that Collins is a bit of a combo big. Um, pretty similar, I would argue, players to to a certain degree as relative to their position. So uh, I like that comp, Mo. Um, here's a question from at Nerd Runner, which uh, Mo, I think you should take that name. Um, I saw you got back <laughs> no, out there. <laughs> um, yeah. Can, can undersized guard defenders get to league average over time? Uh, thinking about Anthony Simons, uh, his season, their season, coming up this year for the Blazers really does depend on him at least hitting league average, which by the way, I could argue Damian Lillard also, um, but it's unlikely, uh, but he has good length. He's quick and he struggled. There's a couple other guys that, that come to mind, especially for Mo, like Jordan Poole, another guy kind of similar build quick uh, John Morant, you know, great athletes um, don't have the feel. Uh, what do you think Mo can, can small guards like that. I mean, that's different than Steph. Steph is actually not all that small, especially now that he's built his body up. But can these skinnier guys use their length and quickness? Is it is it more than just effort? Yeah, no, they can. I think it's just a matter of will they and 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 how do they use it? You know, and and having the smarts to use it and when to use it, right? Like not doing wild gambles and things like that defensively and so on. So, I think that's kind of what you're sort of looking at with those guys, you know, I'm not particularly high on Simons. I'm not, you know, I think he, he was good and, and this and that, but it's not like I'm blown away or anything like that. Um, but I just think when I watch them, I'm just not like I, I they can. And it's, and it's unfortunately Dave, some of it is effort, but it also comes down to the IQ and how smart they'll, how they'll use those skills. Give me an example of a guy who's kind of built like Simons and, and Poole and Ja, just skinny, smaller guards. I can't think of any off the top of my head that are that are plus defenders. I'm sure someone is out there that's got an idea of an average guy, but the closest I mean, I can Jamal think- Crawford, like that body type just doesn't, it doesn't work in the NBA feels the cl- uh, defensively. The closest I can think of, and he was maybe even a little stockier too, is like, uh, like Lindsey Hunter. Yeah. Like someone who can right, but he had shoulders. Yeah, but I'm but I'm all, I'm also I'm I'm thinking of like for guys who can do that, someone's got to be able to like get into the ball, like you know, like a like a like a Jose yeah. Alvarado or something like that. Someone who can who can, you know, get get into the ball and kind of okay okay, you put him in a half court situation, he's going to get plastered with some screens. He's not going to be especially effective tagging or closing out, uh, but he can stay in front of a guy and he could make you. You know, he can put you under pressure and bleed some shot clock time. Maybe, maybe, maybe pick a, a loose dribble here and there. Um, I think to get to average, I think you need to have more of that. I don't, I do, I do want to, I, I question the premise a little bit because I think that, and on a good enough team, like they don't, like getting to average would be great. Getting to like non disastrous 
is is like the more reasonable. I mean, it's a massive leap yeah. for Simons. If oh, he could oh, just for, be, or, or pool, if he could be or, regular bad, yeah. just regular bad, not food. Yeah. I, I like I go back to I was actually watching game two from the Warriors Grizzlies uh, series from this past playoffs. I mean, don't ask me why. And I mean, I was just watching Ja and, and all I could think about was Mo just ranting about Ja. Just he's food. They're going to go at him. They're going to destroy him. And, and but I don't know. This question has really I'm got not, me thinking. I'm not willing to give those guys the the uh, the pass on it. I think part of it, too, is in the way we let these guys come up was we don't ask them to defend. We go, okay, you're small, so we're not going to ask you to defend. Go hide in the – go guard the weakest guy and things like that. So I'm not going to give him a pass on that. Like if the Grizzlies are going to be really the team we think they're going to be, Ja has to get better. Trey has to get better if they're going to be – if the Hawks are going to be – they can't be just food. And and you know what? Like Poole gave a little bit more in the finals in that sense. I'm not asking you to be a plus defender. Shit, I'm not even asking you to be – a, 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 just a zero okay I'm just not I'm just asking you not to be so goddamn bad yeah don't be Ennis Cantor yeah, that, that, that's it that's the thing I mean the thing about you brought Steph up but even when he was smaller like he he was a guy who you know because he had read the game well would get deflections get steals and he always competed and getting these guys to the point of doing that. And that's where I think that, like, you know, we've talked about this with Atlanta before, but, like, turning the keys over to Trey completely, I think may have actually done him a little bit of a disservice on that end. Because, like, you can look at it and, like, the amount of effort you're expending. And this isn't, like, I know Mo doesn't want to give a guy a pass, but if a guy is your offense, like, how much is there left for a guy who's going to have to give maximal effort to be competitive on defense. Well, I, I mean, like, I am going to push back on that because that's fucking being a basketball player. <laughs> this isn't football. You don't play just one side of the ball. I'm tired yeah. of it. I hate the phrase two-way player. It's a fucking basketball player. And I think that's the honest truth of it is we let all of these guys get away with it, you know? And, and you know, everybody, we, we get so excited when we get a two-way player. I said, no, you're supposed to play on both ends of the court. And yeah, you got a big load on offense. Cool. You also got to still defend on the other end because it doesn't matter what your load on offense is if you give away all of that back on the other end. And that's the problem. And it's and and I think you touched on a word there. You said a word there that was really important was compete. Because it's almost like they're resigned to the fact that they're food, right? And I think that's the problem. Compete is the bigger issue. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more of your questions after this. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the Modern NBA Basketball Operations Department. It's a bustling organization full of bright eyes and bushy tails. Coaches, scouts, analytics, sports scientists, salary cap specialists, and of course, your favorite NBA stars. And here's the man in charge of it all, the general manager. Today's GM isn't just a basketball man anymore. 
He is now in charge of delineating a clear set of values and principles that can guide the organization from top to bottom. Most importantly, just love going to work every day and playing basketball. And all Kevin wants to talk about is basketball. A good GM will ask, what is the purpose of this franchise? Are we a high-tech firm? A civic trust? A buy-and-hold asset? The lead executive must establish good relationships with both ownership and the head coach. As you know, a lot of lying goes wrong at the NBA as well. Um, so rather than do any of that, I'll just answer your questions. Because when everyone is on the same page, good things happen. We did it. We did it. NBA champions. Yes, there's always the threat of a paranoid coach, sensitive superstar, grumpy owner, or demanding agent texting in the middle of the night. But the contemporary GM has to buck up and stay true to his beliefs. We're still working on that daily. Whether he's on an early flight to College Town, USA to scout a prospect, well, hello there, Lonzo Ball. Or burning the midnight oil to read up on the latest innovation, an NBA general manager's job is never done. But hang in there, a championship might be just around the corner. Okay, guys, this is actually my favorite question that maybe that we've ever gotten. And I'm surprised we've never gotten this before. And I don't even know if I've seen anybody um, answer this question, but I thought it was fun. And yeah, Um, yeah, this is from a longtime listener, RMJ equals H. If you could change the outcome of a single possession in all of NBA history, what would it be and why? Now, I sent this to you guys I, to get you to think I, about this it. This one's very easy don't. for me. This one's very there's, – there's, there's the fan answer and then there's the current me answer. Oh, go, the, go. The, okay. fan answer is, go. the fan answer is pretty obscure. Uh, it was 91 playoffs. Jack Mathis made the most terrible offensive rebound, offensive goaltending call on Kevin McHale to cost the Celtics their first round series, their second round series against Detroit that I've never, they showed a replay of it from behind and McHale's tipping it. And like his hand on the ball is like outside the square. And it's like, oh no, it's an offensive goaltending. We'd have replay back then. My actual answer is uh, the shot 2016 finals. Because without, if that doesn't happen, we don't have to care about what a certain player does anymore. <laughs> we don't have to care, and that would make everyone's life better. You you stole mine. Okay, sorry. The narrative of that, like, yeah. oh man, it would have been so much more fun if the Warriors had won. Uh, that's all I can think of. The uh... wait. So for a different reason, though, you're you're picking that for a different reason than yeah, I am, though. You're... <laughs> Yes. Yeah, but yes, still, still, still fair, you know. But Dave could also go the other way and go like, if Curry made the shot, that would be the right. that would be the outcome. I think we'd all prefer would make it all kind Absolutely. of would, would yeah, end, the endless levels of conversations oh my goodness, we had for yeah. many years after that. It's why we love the Elam because you end Stop on a made Nobody shot. Nobody loves the Elam, right? and no, I disproved see, it already. We've discussed it. I already shot down the Elam ending. I got both of y'all asses on that one. It's over and done with. We're moving on from that. <laughs> my, my, What's my, yours? One, just because I think it would be a fun wrinkle in history. What if Charles? What if, what if Charles Smith made the tip in, and 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 eliminated Which the Bulls one? and it, whichever one there were four of them. Right? It four, I felt like eight of them. Yeah, and 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 it would be an interesting wrinkle in history as to what would happen after that with the Bulls, with the Knicks, and even if the Knicks whether they win the championship that year or whatnot, like it would be a fun sort of. A, uh, I would love to see that alternate universe, Fan Mo from when I was a Laker fan back in the day, 
Robert Ory missed a three against the Spurs that went in and out that led to us getting eliminated. Um, God, I can't remember what year it was. I just remember watching it in the food hall at UC Irvine. Um, so it was a long time ago. But that that's Van Moe's response. But the, the fun wrinkle one would be the uh, Charles Smith one. Um, all right. This is pretty early because we haven't even gotten to training camp yet. But uh, the, the question from Preston Stevenson is top five non-playoff league pass teams. And this, I mean, this list is going to be much different than last year. I think like Charlotte was on our list last year. Minnesota was on our list. Memphis was on our list. But those teams, of course, have graduated into, you know, well, playoff Minnesota, Minnesota and Memphis. Yes. Yeah. And not Charlotte. Charlotte's going to be out of the playoffs. They're going to be bad. Um, so just give me a couple of the teams. And, and Mo, I'll let you start with the Thunder because I do think that they are going to be fun to watch. This is, this is the most league pass year we're, we've ever going to have, if you want to be honest with you. Like, There's a lot of good basketball I players, mean, man. Really? The only team I'm probably not that <laughs> excited about watching right now at the current moment is Utah. If they do trade Donovan Mitchell. Like, the, like I just like, cause I feel like they're just going to go super tank level and things like that. San Ant- I mean, I won't, it's almost easier to knock off teams that aren't, that, that we, you probably That's don't true. need to watch. Cause listen, Orlando's going to be interesting as all hell, even though Seth hates a uh, Banchero already. He's on that bandwagon. Um, I just had to take that shot. Seth made that face and is already mad at me. What tiers uh, he in? You know, uh, uh, Rookies don't, don't qualify for the tiers. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> just, just kidding. And then, and, but I, but you're right. Orlando's, Orlando's going to be fun. Gonna be fun. I, I, San Antonio's going to be a San Antonio's right? going to be like, tough to watch, but you're going to have Houston's going to be fun to watch. Detroit's going to be fun to watch. OKC, which I've already mentioned, like Charlotte was going to be bad. At least have LaMelo entertaining. Like there's going to be a lot of stuff there. Sacramento is going to be entertaining. It's going to be interesting to watch. There's a lot of reasons to watch a lot of teams now. And I think it's kind of, this is, this is the league pass year. Forget like find a league pass team. <laughs> They're all freaking league pass teams, except for like two or three. Indy might be a little bit rough this year. That's a, that's a good oh, one. That's yeah. a good one. Although Halliburton, no, Halliburton, I think Halliburton, Halliburton is fun. Fun to needs, watch no matter what. But he needs he needs he needs dudes around him to really get the full to make Halliburton it fun. Experience. He need, to, to for him to make yeah. the fun. He needs yeah. he needs a couple of partners there. Yeah. I actually, although listen, might I, be I fun wish to that watch. they would have pulled off the Aiton thing. What's that? If they'd pulled off the Aiton thing, I think that that would have been a really fun, young, interesting team. Yeah. And, and Halliburton and Aiton, you know, would have would have been fun to watch. I don't know how good they would be. I mean, they're very young. They would be very young, but I, it would be interesting. But OKC, of course, is going to be, I think, a must watch uh, just for remote weirdness factor it's gonna like they're gonna be trying stuff i think and mo i know you you don't expect them to play these guys all year i don't know man i think they have too many guys that they might be too good to to not do it this team will find a way if let's just be honest tank for one let's have the skinniest freaking possible team as possible let's have the slender man team let's find a way to do as as as, you know like as you know shea gets a hangnail okay out for three weeks after shooting 45 percent from three for the first six weeks of the season under chipping right like you know you're gonna have a whole (laughs) level of things like i'm not i'm not putting it past them but i think honestly if you just let them play they actually got like an nba roster which is kind of fun. Like we joked about that in summer league, you know, Jay King on buds was kind of saying like their summer league roster was better than their actual roster. Like, yeah, like they actually got guys that are, gonna it be- is, it is their actual roster. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Hey, they- those, 
those giddy minutes were important. I oh, think. they were huge. They were huge. It's part of the yeah. uh, the the reason why I thought it was clever that he played. And I'm disappointed in so many second year guys that didn't play. You know, like I I just yeah. I was shocked by that. But I know we're going on a tangent, but I was um, shocked by that one. Yeah. Um, John Shonkov asks uh, for our takes on the teal Pistons jerseys. Um, listen, we don't have to bring just because it's old doesn't mean that we're nostalgic for it. These teal jerseys were not good originally. Uh, they do not stand up. It is a very specific window of time that was just kind of ugly. I, I think everything kind of, you know, post 1995 was kind of bad. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I, teal is a great color, but I, I don't love those Pistons teal. I, they're, they're asking teams to come up with four jerseys every year as main. The jerseys this year suck. Can we just like, you know, like I don't think Nike's done a great job since they took over. To be honest with you, um, you know, I, there's a there's a, a limit on, uh, on on creativity, and we're we're kind of hitting the we're hitting the upper bound of that. Um, like the Bucks released like some pretty clean with the antlers on the side, and just like they're good, but compared to everything else we've seen, they're just like whoa. It's like the best picture in a bad year. I mean, the the, the honest truth, and this is going to be the. Uh old men yelling at clouds deal here. And this is my rant on uniforms. Cause I generally don't care. Can they please make sense? And like, can we have them? Can the warriors not look like the Knicks sometimes can, you know, like, can I not get confused watching a game and think I'm watching the Pacers, but it's, you know, it's, it's a whole other team. Like it, can, can this please make sense now? That's all I want. Just the two, maybe three uniforms. And let's go and let's make sure the color schemes work and they match with your court and things like that. But can you just please make freaking sense? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of watching the game and get, and sitting there for a minute going like, why isn't Tyrese Halliburton playing? Going like, oh, because it's not the Pacers, even though it looks like the Pacers uniforms. For God's sakes, can we just get on that level? I don't even care about the white versus dark, right? The home and away jersey. I mean, that bugs me. But the Okay, yeah, but it doesn't bug me as much as the Boston Celtics wearing black jerseys, specifically in the finals. I, I'm look, man. I, it's the Boston Celtics. They wear green or they wear white. They, you don't. They don't need a, an alternate jersey. They don't need. I just the nostalgia to me is in that the simple Boston Celtics green or white jerseys. Just just keep it simple. I, mean, I don't want to be. I don't want to be too uh, fundamentalist about this because there are, like some like if a team goes full like alternate court color scheme like, especially now having on the way back from summer league we stopped at Arches National Park and so in Utah and so that like that like Mars theme for Utah very yeah, cool very cool that should be Utah's that that should be their jerseys all well, the time it shouldn't be the Jazz anymore Just like, anyway. Exactly. What would you but name just them? like, I mean, what I think would you name them. Let's let's that's my question for the group. What would you rename the Utah? Can I propose? Can I, I've got a multi-team trade that I'd like to propose. Okay. okay. The Pelicans name goes in the garbage. Okay. It just goes away. The Jazz go back to New Orleans. Memphis steals the hustle from their G League team. They become the Memphis hustle. The Grizzlies go to Utah. You get the Utah Grizzlies or hey, man, uh, they've got a great new owner. He's young. He looks like he wants to do stuff. Uh, you know, let the community name it, but 
the Jazz need to be back in Utah and the Memphis hustle that I mean, that's yeah. just a moneymaker right there. Please just print the shirts, sell them everywhere. I'm a big fan of that. So that's how I'd solve I'm, it. I'm, I'm not a big fan Go of sign. the name Memphis hustle. It's a verb. Like it's a verb. Oh like, what God, are we doing? It's so good. Like, what, yeah. Like, come on. Like, it needs, it's it a throwback. Be, it's an it ABA. Be, it's an like, ABA know, throwback. Like it needs to be a, a, a deal there. But yeah. So um, would, would it be, would it be <laughs> produced something as annoying as like, you know, when, with, oh, the, this, the jazz men, you know, when they, like the, the Utah broadcast starts talking about individual players. You know, if he leads all jazz men. He leads all hustlers. I mean, like yeah. I mean, like we don't need that. We don't need that. I mean, that's pretty that's good. The kind of, oh, I that's disagree. The kind of stuff where it's like Rip know. Rogers disagrees I mean, too. Like, ultimately, if I could change a team name, I would change the Clippers to the Flash. That was always kind of a a, a, a thing I liked. Um, but you know, uh, I've never yeah, come Agua up. Caliente Flash would have been a great name. Well, that would have been a good G-League one too. Uh, yeah. But like I've never come the, up. The Clippers should just move to Long Beach. To be but the I've Clippers, never come. The well, they basically Clippers. are. They're going to be in Inglewood. It's going to be so much easier. Um, but like I've never come up with a good name for Utah. Like Mountain Men. Like I don't know. Like what? Like I've never come up with one. So that's that's my only thing. Yeah, you know what? Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, go on the app on the Athletic app. Hit us in the comments with what you would call the Utah Jazz instead of the Utah Jazz. Uh, honestly, Salt Lake City Stars. Their, which was their G League or is their G League? I, I think that that's not an awful name. It's the, just the generic, Utah Rockies. So. I mean, can we double dip with baseball? I don't know. Come up with something. There's no jazz in Utah that I know of. Tony Jones is the only guy that uh, might be a little jazzy in Utah, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Uh, here's a, here's another question. Um, this is from Paul Soul. There seems to be some commonalities in the players drafted by the Pacers, Grizzlies, Rockets, Spurs, Raptors, Thunder, and now Wolves, and it's players with great assist and steal rates, um, and, and it seems to be working pretty well. Basically, these teams are drafting players that are already pretty good in college or, or at a lower level. Um, guys, how come other teams aren't doing that? Because uh, other teams don't listen to their analytics departments. It says the guy who ran an analytics department. <laughs> No, I mean you're I'm talking. Just, so, uh, you're right. Maybe yeah. not even their no, scouts, right? It's, it's, yeah. It, no, I mean it's they're like they're, they're like you know you look at the the types of things they don't necessarily translate. Like college steal rate doesn't necessarily translate to NBA steal rate. It does translate to NBA good because it means that you are the combination of like as speed of foot and speed of thought needed to bump up the level of play, and so that's why you look in the past and the guys who have tended to be good, have had these traits, and the guys who have tended to not be good have tended to be guys like, wow, look at his two-point percentage, and without the kind of the peripherals. It's like, yeah, that's the guy who was 6'11 in, a, in you know, the West Coast Conference, and so, like, dominated everybody. Neat. How's that going to work? I mean, that's, that's kind of the deal. I mean, I think it's just a good level. I mean – Teams are going to look at specific things, and the smart teams are going to figure out what the what they want. And I think that's just what you're coming across. And hey, let's draft good players. And this is our metric. This is what we're looking at that makes them a good player. And I think that's along the lines of sometimes you're trying to look at too much and overthink it. And I think it's this is going to be a probably a bad analogy, but it's the money ball, you know, on base percentage. Why are, you know it's 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 Billy Bean in the in the room and during the movie going, why do we like this guy? It's on base. It's on base. And that's, and yep. that's, that's our <laughs> right. one thing. And if that's the one thing the team's going to look at, and every time they do it, they find a good player, they're going to keep doing it. And eventually other teams will catch on, and then somebody else will have to come up with something new. I'd use a slightly. I I'd also use a, have wondered a little bit. 
uh, I've wondered a little bit if the if the the bias between leagues is just a little exaggerated, right? Like you might value a, a player that plays in the uh, SEC higher than someone who plays in the I don't know Big Ten, but is that it, it, the level of play might not be that difference when you actually you know look at the statistical profile and, and kind of even it out? Well, that's all going to change in two years anyway. When UCLA is going yeah, I have to no idea. Me, UCLA is playing conference games at Rutgers. They're not the headliners. UCLA is the joining the Euro going to the, the Big Ten. Yeah, sorry. Okay, that other yeah. school's not They're the headliner. They're going to be playing Barcelona. Don't you dare. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I think the but I think Dave, I think that doesn't. It's not as big when it's the Power Five conferences, but it is a question when it's like the West Coast conferences. Yeah, you know, when you're looking at it going like, yeah, yo, like Chet dominated dominated Pepperdine. Great. What did Pepperdine do this year? You know, and it's it's along those lines of just a talent level and things like that. And I feel like you, I feel like with those conferences, it's a little bit different. That's why a lot of teams, when they were probably scouting Chet, they were looking at a lot of the non-conference games because it was a beefier non-conference season for Gonzaga, and I think that paid more more dividends for them in the scouting versus watching him play uh, Santa Clara, you know, or something like that. But I think when it's Big Ten versus SEC or whatnot. I yeah. think it's marginal. Uh, last 15 or so years, among college players drafted, about 85% of them have come from the top seven leagues. So to, I think to Mo's point, like within those leagues, you kind of know you're, you're, you're at a reasonable standard of competition. And then outside of that, guys got to be pretty special to, to like stand out. Um, okay, one last question uh, before we wrap up. And this one is a little bit of a dig at us, um, but not like a mean dig. Um, this is from Trenton Jocks. You guys thought Golden State was done after Clay's Achilles and then the post play in loss. Um, we all thought that Toronto had a brighter future than Golden State. I, to a certain degree, I mean, I don't know how, how far I'll lean into that one, but okay. Um, and, and it says here basically, what are our thoughts on sort of the more smart analysis uh, leaning toward Golden State being done and just getting a little too cute when it comes to the, you know, how you win in the NBA, which if you look at the last decade, it's do you have LeBron? Do you have Steph Curry? OK, now you have a shot to win the title. Are, are we getting too cute in this, guys, I don't think well, so. I, I think it, the context still matters. I don't think it's unfair for us to have thought Golden State was done at that point. Clay was coming off of not having played basketball in nine hundred something days, devastating injuries, right? And at, at his age, it's it's hard. You know what is he like in his mid thirties? What is he like 32, 33, 34? Uh, 33. Like you know, yeah. coming back from the ACL, not as easy when you're coming back from it when you're twenty three. The Achilles always a freaking problem and you're really never the same after that and i don't think it's it's i think it's i don't think it's wild for people to have go hey they're not gonna they're they're it's their window has closed i don't think it was a wild speculation i will defend my stance on that i got a question i actually got a question for the guy who asked the question have you ever watched damian lee play basketball what about juan toscano anderson what what about these guys who are playing major was the right. was major rotation player in the NBA? I mean, Wiggins right. made a Wiggins so, made a leap. Like, yeah, I think that this is and this is something. It's more about the discourse in general and, and how the media, um, maybe just how the media is treated. I don't know, but 
don't know, man, like takes should evolve. I don't really have takes. I have thoughts. And on this show in particular, that's what we do. We sit and we, we talk to each other and we talk through things. And man, there've been shows where I thought I had an idea like, Oh, this is what I believe. And by the end of it, you guys have convinced me either more firmly in that camp or have changed my mind. I I think that that's this show in particular, and I'm not going to speak for any other show, but that's what we try to do. So I mean, were we wrong? Sure. But did Clay kind of prove us wrong by coming back and being moderately effective? Yeah. Did Draymond prove us wrong by not being washed up and by being a defensive player of the year candidate? Absolutely. Um, Steph still I, like, playing I, at I, an nobody MV- solved MV- basketball. Yeah. Steph still playing at an MVP level at this point. Like, I think that, like, you know, again, you talk about that. You, you, you talk about, like, you know, the turning of what was a pretty terrible D'Angelo Russell move into Wiggins and then having, you know, pool emerge and Draymond still be good and, and all these things so that Wiggins can slide into a role that he can play instead of him being like the Minnesota version, which would have been just as disastrous in Golden State as it was in Minnesota. So, like, you know, we're the th- the big things that we were wrong about, like, I feel okay about all of those calls. Yeah, they were, it, and, you know, it could have gone either way. Yeah. And it, and it and it's less likely that it went the way that it did than that it didn't. But you know, that's credit to Draymond, credit to Steph, credit to Clay, credit to Jordan Poole for getting himself better, credit to Golden State for being willing to pay a gazillion dollars to to you know put a team together. You know, yeah, those things all worked out in their favor. And 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 yeah, and Steph Curry's awesome. Yeah, that's the most yes, important exactly. part. I mean, even, and even but to good even the Steph Curry like like when Seth and I picked Golden State to lose to Denver. It was because we weren't sure what Steph Curry was going to look like coming back off of injury that he hadn't played all the last three weeks of the regular season or whatever it was like, yo, there, there were reasons for it. It wasn't, it wasn't the wild reckless speculation without there being something. So I think, you know, the, the, um, I get where the guy, the, the, the questioner is coming from with that, but it was also, there were reasons behind that, that we could make that assumption. And ultimately, when we're making predictions, we're making assumptions and we're not going to be right all the time. And I think that's the important thing. And often, often we're going best or worst case scenario in all of these. Right. And I mean, we we do, I think, a good job of couching those when we make them. I mean, for instance, what other podcast picked the Orlando Magic to be a top four or five seed two years ago? Or three years ago, whatever that was, I don't even remember. Mo. I don't know what you're talking but about. But Mo and I, I did, and we about. were wrong that, as that hell. Never happened. I never. Oh, yeah. I, never, I paid Jade. We, I mean, we were super wrong. But I, so, you know, but, but I think that's the fun part of this. The the one part I will grant uh, Trenton on this is like, and I, I don't think we're guilty of of being too cute about this. I think we recognize like best guy wins is still a great place to start. We just you know, as of 2020, is Steph still going to be one of the best three or four guys in the league? Looking at it from from that that vantage point, like I I I don't feel bad about having been skeptical about that. Like, are are we wrong to say, hey, right now you need like Giannis or Steph or or KD or Jokic or maybe Luca and Embiid? Like, if you want to go by my tears, and who was and going Kawhi, if he's nice plug for the tears? Like, and who was pumping up the Raptors after they lost Kawhi? Like, I don't remember that being a thing. Like, what that, that yeah. part got me out that 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 part. But like, hey, we're wrong. It's cool. 
it's fine, you know. Yeah. And, and, and also, they, they, that may not have been directed directly at us. I, I know the Warriors stuff was, but but the the Raptors part might have just been more of a a loose sort of uh, I, I guess smart guy basketball stuff. I, I, uh, I even think Toronto, that's but. I even think that's defensible though, because if you look like the history of post dynasty teams is ugly. You know, and it the and the reason it's less it's not ugly for Golden State is that it turns out that their dynastic players are holding up even post injury, post huge wear and tear, better than we expected them to. Yeah, those Spurs comps are are around for a reason. Um, I guess this is a good place to wrap up. You you guys got anything? We're we're gonna be off for a couple weeks. Got anything you want to get off your chest here at the end? Got anything to plug? No, I'm, I'm all good. It's 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 no, off season. It's There's not much going uh, on, folks. Yeah, uh, go outside. Um, plug in my vacation. <laughs> That's it. Get outside. Oh, uh, bad idea. Two point I'm going to have uh, uh, Twitter favorite uh, Meister on my pod. I had oh, a specific question great. that I, yes, I hope that it's going to be fantastic. Uh, uh, gets answered there, Seth. Okay. Okay. Well, everybody go and check that out over on Call In with with Seth. Uh, For Seth and for Mo, I'm Dave. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. Thanks again for sticking with us on the Athletic NBA Show. This has been Nerder, she wrote. Have a good summer. Paul, have a good first couple weeks of August.